Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Amid the gun control debate, the White House says Donald Trump plans to stop talking and start listening. Plus, the president slams his attorney general again for not investigating Democrats again. And the son-in-law versus chief of staff, who wins? This is the State of America tonight. My goal is to come up with something that is going to move the needle. What we need is action. This is more than just re-elections. This is more than just political gain. I think the worst scenario, the absolute worst scenario, is that we go out and, and we ban guns and we tell everybody that we've solved this problem. We are the generation that can make a change. We have a voice. Look at this. I'm Suzanne Malvo, live in New York. Uh, This is State of America Tonight. Today, the push for gun control comes now to the White House just one week after a gunman opened fire at a Florida school, leaving 17 people dead. In just a few hours, President Trump will sit down with students from that school and others for a listening session on school safety. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders offering this preview. We'll have a number of parents and teachers and students um, from schools in the local area. This is a listening session uh, to see what can be done better, what the actual concerns of the students are, what they would like to see. And the president is also reaching out to those in Washington, urging lawmakers on both sides to take action on background checks while adding his voice to the Justice Department's current efforts on bump stocks. Just a few moments ago, I signed a memorandum directing the Attorney General to propose regulations to ban all devices that turn legal weapons into machine guns. And although bump stocks were not a part of last week's tragedy, they were used in Las Vegas in December during the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. All of it is taking place against a backdrop of student-led demonstrations across the country. In Tallahassee, Florida, hundreds gathered for a rally outside the state capitol building. I'm not trying to take away your Second Amendment rights, nor am I trying to eliminate all guns. But we cannot protect our guns before we protect our children. And last night, the Florida state legislature rejected a motion to consider a ban on many semi-automatic guns in large capacity magazines. As students from the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, they looked on. But one of them says that this fight is far from over. This is more than just us. This is everybody in America. This is for every single kid who fears for their life. Please, I beg 
And I demand that every single person in power who has the ability to change the fear that kids feel going back to school, that they do something. I want to bring in our CNN White House reporter, Caitlin Collins. And Caitlin, um, what more do we know about President Trump's meeting with these students today? I understand that there will be students from Parkland, Florida, who he will meet with and face to face talk with. Is this really going to be a listening session? Yeah, that's right, Suzanne. It's going to be a very interesting afternoon here at the White House. There will be some students that survived the Parkland school shooting last week here at the White House today, which will certainly be a stunning moment to see them interacting with the president about gun control. A lot of the students who survived that shooting have been very outspoken, very passionate about this issue, doing multiple television interviews and being very outspoken activists since that shooting happened. But preparing for this listening session today, we are told that President Trump is being briefed by several White House officials and that during the event it will be moderated by the Education Secretary Betsy DeVos and Vice President Mike Pence will be in attendance as well. Now a White House official says there will be no teleprompter for the president at this event so we can expect more of a freewheeling Trump and that's where things are going to get interesting because as I just said these students have been very outspoken some of them demanding gun control bans on assault weapons so it'll be interesting to see how this Republican president this president who was endorsed by the NRA Ray interacts with these students and what he has to say about this. Now, we know yesterday that at that Medal of Honor or the Medal of Valor ceremony, excuse me, the president said that he had directed the Justice Department to propose a regulation that would ban those devices that turn legal weapons into machine guns. So the president will likely bring that up today. He's also voiced some support for those efforts to improve the federal background check system. So those are two things we can expect the president to bring up as he listens to these students today. But it certainly will be fascinating fascinating to watch the president interact with survivors from this shooting here in Washington at the White House, Suzanne. Caitlin, it'll be fascinating indeed. Uh, Some of the tweets, very public and very critical of the president, so we'll see how he deals with that. Thank you very much, Caitlin. We'll get back to you. Even as the gun debate dominating the headlines here, the Russia investigation as really never far from President Trump's mind or his Twitter account this morning. The president continued his attacks on President Obama, added a jab at his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, asking, quote, why didn't Obama do something about the meddling? Why aren't Dem crimes or the Democrats under investigation? Ask Jeff Sessions. Joining me now to discuss it are CNN Justice reporter Laura Jarrett and CNN legal analyst Paul Callen. Laura, I want to start off with you here first. Uh, it was quite, quite harsh in some ways. Again, Sessions under criticism from the president. Not surprising. Was there any response from the Justice Department? Well, Suzanne, despite these very public as well as private flare-ups from President Trump, I'm told that the attorney general is still extraordinarily loyal to President Trump and really carrying on the president's policy initiatives every day, rolling back different initiatives from the Obama administration, everything from criminal justice reform to immigration to civil rights. And while Sessions has said in the past to Fox News that he found the president's comments sort of hurtful. He hasn't said anything this time, but he's also not making any apologies for his recusal over the weekend, saying essentially he had to do it under the ethics rules because he was a member of Trump's campaign team. So it appears the two are at something of an impasse right now, Suzanne, with no one really making any sudden moves. 
And Paul, uh, explain to us what's going on in the president's mind, because we hear from White House aides and people behind the scenes that he's fuming at the fact that his attorney general recused himself. Is there a misunderstanding uh, with the president about the role of the Justice Department or even Sessions himself? I think he has a fundamental uh, misunderstanding that the attorney general serves only the president of the United States. When the attorney general takes an oath, he swears loyalty to the Constitution of the United States, uh, not the president. And uh, Sessions felt he was in a conflict of interest situation. Most lawyers would say it was a clear conflict. He had to recuse himself, and uh, he did the right thing. But then the, the president does what he's always doing, which is trying to change the subject to crooked Hillary Clinton and the Obama administration. But this time time, he's particularly illogical because he's saying, why aren't they investigating the Dems uh, instead of uh, my administration? Well, remember, what's being investigated is Russian meddling in the American election, not uh, who's in charge of the government, Obama at the time. And if he really wanted that to happen, how does that square with the tweet he sent out a couple of days ago in which he said that the FBI fell down on the job because uh, they didn't pick up on the Parkland uh, terrorist or the Parkland shooter? Now, uh, because they didn't have the resources, those resources were devoted to the investigation of the Russian meddling. So now he's saying... He wants to extend that investigation back to the Obama administration. Well, how is that going to affect the resources of the FBI? And so a good point. Uh, Laura, Paul, thank you very much for your perspectives. Really appreciate it. Of course, there is a lot to talk about gun control today. But will any of that talk lead to action? We're going to put that question to our panel when we come back. This is just one of the incredibly powerful images of the thousands of students rallying for stricter gun control across Florida today. But will it be enough to spark any change in gun control laws? I'm going to put that to our panel today. Joining me are CNN political commentator Errol Lewis. He's the political anchor for Spectrum News. CNN political analyst Nathan Gonzalez is the editor and publisher of Inside Elections. Brian Lanza is a CNN political commentator and former deputy communications director for the Trump for President campaign and Alice Stewart, CNN political commentator and a Republican strategist. That's a lot. You guys are <laughs> you're a powerful panel here, boy, I tell you. Um, Errol, I do want to start off with you here because uh, it's really quite incredible what we're seeing out of uh, Florida here, and it is unique. Uh, Florida is a tough state. It's a hold-your-ground state. Many of the legislators, uh, both locally, statewide, federally, get lots of support from the NRA. But we see something very different. It's an immediate response. It's urgent. And it is local. Do we think that there could be a possible different type of strategy where there is a breakthrough, where there is something that happens in Florida that sparks something nationwide, state by state? There's, there is something different here for sure. Uh, my wife and my mom, I've got a ton of family down there, some from northern Florida, some in southern Florida. Um, it is there, There's a clash of cultures here. There is a very deep-seated gun culture where you can pretty much get a gun uh, on demand. It is a stand-your-ground uh, state, and you can use that gun. It's, a, it's very aggressive, and they have the homicide rates to prove it. Um, at the same time, though, I don't think anybody's really taken into account that both in Florida and really nationwide, there's a whole generation of kids who have grown up with one massacre after another, with uh, active shooter drills, with fear and terror as their constant companions. They've graduated, thousands of them, year after year after year, 
And this group is saying no more, enough is enough. So, Brian, what we're seeing today in Washington, it's potentially the president out of his comfort zone. He loves to work and meet with law enforcement, with folks that share his beliefs. But we understand from what we're told is that he's going to be meeting with some of his harshest critics, these students who've been very vocal in their tweets, uh, that he doesn't get it. So how does he show, how does he listen, how does he show that he does get it, that there is something that he's willing to do? And part of it, the first part of it, is to listen. You know, I think if you've seen the president's response, he talked about the victims initially. And then if you also look, you know, in the past week, he stated that, that you know, some gun control measures are, are, are open for debate. What you're seeing is sort of a moving of the original red line that the NRA had that said nothing is ever going to come in to a president, a Republican president, saying, hey, we now need a review. I think we've seen over time that the president, you know, these things have an impact on the president. Look at the, look at the Syrian attack on the children. It had an impact uh, on him almost nearly immediately, that sort of... Uh, move forward the response. When you want to get to the president moving on things, you have kids sort of, you know, have these tragic circumstances. And the fact that these young kids are such powerful messengers, it, they're hard to ignore. Uh, no matter what your position is on guns, when, when a young kid is telling you, hey, you know, I deserve to live beyond 17, it's your job to get it done, that has an impact. And it certainly had an impact on the president who comes from New York, who hasn't had the most stringent gun position in his previous party registration. But it does have an impact. And, and I think you're going to see it manifest in this afternoon's meeting. He's certainly going to listen to him. He's going to listen to a lot of people and but there is something needs to happen we may be at that tipping point because of these powerful young kid met and, and we do know that he's he's watching tv he's right. watching these students right. he's seen this unfold and alice he's he's brought up some ideas he's talked about the uh, the, the possibility of these the bump stops to, to to ban these kind of devices that turn a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic weapon he's talked about bumping up the age requirement for a type of gun or a type of weapon like this, and even you know greater background checks, are any of these ideas, do you think, going to, to stick? What is the potential for any of those to, to, make, uh, to make some headway? I think all options are on the table, as we've heard from the president, and we've heard from Governor Rick Scott, and we've heard from um, other people involved in this. And, and, and these kids, uh, one of the things more than anything we hear from them, they're, they're passionate and they're powerful. And I think the fact they're taking it locally and then they'll take it nationally is really, really important. And Governor Scott had a huge, powerful meeting yesterday. He's listening to them. But all those issues that you mentioned, uh, background checks, bump stocks, uh, the age limit, all, a lot of these things, if we would just enforce the existing laws, a lot of this could be prevented and and make sure that people that uh, purchase guns uh, legally uh, should be obtaining guns. And in the, the big picture, there are many factors, but this is not about keeping, this is about keeping all guns out of the hands of some people, not some guns out of the hands of all people. And I think we have to come to a place to where we, we look at stricter background checks. We, we look at a, a lot of things. But it's not just about gun control. It's about mental health and many others. And, and, and where's, the, where's the pressure point here, Nathan? Because you've got a new poll out right now that shows 97% of folks are saying, look, we need greater background checks, that this is something that's a no-brainer. And yet, where is the political will? Where is the push for any one of these politicians to take any kind of action. Well, I think it really depends on what the specific bill is, because when you start uh, dividing out what the options are, I think it gets tricky. Um, if you look back at 2013, following Sandy Hook, um, when the assault weapons ban was brought up again, you had Democratic senators such as Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota, Joe Donnelly of Indiana, John Tester of Montana vote against it. Those, that's the same class of senators that are up this cycle and uh, you know, concerned about winning re-election in a red state. So how far are they willing to go 
Uh, you can't just count on all the Democrats to vote for any gun control measure that comes up because they have their re-election prospects in mind, not just the Republicans that are on the ballot so as well. I, so I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring this to the whole panel here. You do have a couple of options on the table when you look at it nationally. So out of the House, right, you've got Senator Cornyn and Chris Murphy together and their ideas. Let's make it. Uh, let's give the states and local folks incentives to go ahead and, and pass along information to the National Gun Registry. We saw 26 people who were killed in Texas in that church uh, because this was an individual, the shooter, who had been imprisoned for domestic violence, and yet they, the uh, Air Force didn't pass that along to the, to the database, the national database. That's their idea, but it's not, it's not really gaining traction. And on the House side, you've got this other bill, which is looking to allow folks who have a, uh, a concealed carried weapon license in one state to cross the border into another state and to still conceal a weapon. That, That's not getting any traction either. Well, so where is the traction I'm here? I'm not so sure about the traction. The bipartisan the traction. Con, the con, yeah, the, the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act did pass the House. I mean, right. it is a, an extraordinarily dangerous bill. And it puts the lie to this argument that, well, if we could just tinker with the existing laws, maybe we'd be okay. It is the number one priority of the National Rifle Association. All of the politicians that have uh, sort of uh, genuflected before and bowed before the NRA over the years, including Donald Trump, who got $30 million from them in the 2016 cycle, um, have said that they're going to just move their agenda forward. And so all of the different sort of tinkering, oh, let's, let's do a little better at uh, sort of uh, taking this broken system and getting more names into the database, will be made moot if you can go from a state like uh, Vermont that has no restrictions whatsoever and take that gun and carry it into the subways of New York or walk down the streets in Los Angeles with it. That's what the real goal is. They are waiting for these kids to leave for the summer, for the uh, energy and the momentum to sort of drift away, and then we'll be right back where we were before. I mean, I, in my opinion, the debate is actually over. It'll be a political fight to see who wins, but... Uh, the Definitely. particulars, it is not a policy fight I, anymore. I think the b debate really has just begun. And, and even the NRA, who has expressed openness to looking at bump stocks and, and tightening up background checks, they're willing to, to look at making some, some changes uh, with regard to the Second Amendment and, and how people purchase guns. But they want to see exactly what the uh, regulation is before they sign on or sign off on one thing because they don't know ultimately what the bump stock provisions will be. They want to see a fully laid out provision and then they'll make a stain on They're They are not um, turning down any option on the table because they recognize that we're in a crisis moment in our country and we need to take action that will help address this. All right, I got to wrap it there. We're going to uh, see you guys on the back of the end. Be sure to watch the CNN uh, town hall special with students, parents, others impacted by the Florida school shooting. Senator Marco Rubio, he is going to be there as well as a representative from the NRA. Governor Rick Scott has declined CNN's invitation as well as the president. It is called Stand Up. The students of Stoneman Douglas demand action. It is airing Thursday at 10 in the morning, Hong Kong time, and 6 in the morning in Abu Dhabi. Meanwhile, the White House is working to improve security inside its gates. What new rules could mean for Jared Kushner and his growing feud with the chief of staff. The panel returns that next.
Welcome back to State of America. I'm Suzanne Malvo. The U.S. president's son-in-law was once a cheerleader for John Kelly for the rigor that he brought to his job as chief of staff. But now Kelly's enforcing a rule that applies to Jared Kushner, a rule that could cut him off from the nation's most sensitive secrets. And sources at the White House, they say that Kushner is not too happy about this. Well, our panel is back, and uh, I want to start off here with you, Brian. Um, so he has a memo. It comes out on Friday. Right. And he says, look, if uh, if all of your stuff was not in order before uh, June, get it in order by this Friday. Otherwise, your clearance, your sensitive clearance is going to be potentially cut off. Mm-hmm. What happened with Jared Kushner was interesting because initially he didn't give all the information that was necessary about his contacts, uh, his financial dealings. He he went back. He amended his form. Eventually, it was put all put on the table, but that didn't happen until after the June deadline. Mm-hmm. So, what is happening here? Is 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 Kelly giving Kushner a little bit of wiggle room that this doesn't apply to you in terms of your own security status on Friday, or does it give him more discretion, more power over Jared Kushner? Yeah, I think I think it gives the chief of staff more power over security clearances. If you're going to see what the memo comes out, it says a lot of these things are now going to be reviewed by the chief of staff, so it's not going to sort of lay dormant in the general counsel's office. It's not going to lay dormant in an additional office. I think the memo illustrates that General Kelly is going to control of the situation, and uh, that the ultimate authority or one of the ultimate authorities regarding the clearance is going to be run through his office. Uh, as for the drama that people sort of want to play up with the, the general and, and Jared, I mean, they're both working for the president. I think they both know what their priorities are. The general laid out a statement earlier today where he talked about the valuable work that Jared was doing and how he continues to be a part of that process. I think, you know, people want to focus on, on the circus. I think we should just focus on the memo and the policy, which is going to straighten out this, this problem uh, regarding the clearances, and I think that's good for everybody. I mean, you don't look th- th- there's a serious underlying uh, question here, though, which is why didn't he get this cl- the clearance? And um, it, it takes us straight to something that has been kicked around and reported at considerable length, which is that Jared Kushner is the uh, the former leader of a family real estate empire that has a $1.2 billion payment due on a white elephant of a building, not too far from where we are right now, as a matter of fact, um, that is coming due in February of 2019. He has been scouring the planet trying to find investors to take this problem off of his hands. That's not true. And, uh, well, he's no longer working for his company. He, he's sort of divested, he divested himself from the company. The so he's com- not working Kush- for himself. The Kushner he's company, working for the president. The Kushner company's uh, uh, owes oh, $1.2 billion. It's due in February of 2019. Uh, right up until the time that he entered uh, government service, he was talking with everybody. He was talking with Chinese bankers. He was talking with Middle Eastern bankers. Uh, to assume that he's not doing it now, well... If that's the case, how come he didn't get the clearance? So I think just, this is the example of why we have nepotism laws into place. And the, I think this administration is a poster child for why those laws are in place, because there are conflicts of interest. I can imagine Jared Kushner's filling out his taxes is a heck of a lot more time-consuming than mine. I'm sure he's got a lot of paperwork he needs to fill out. He's, he's a wealthy person. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about people that are in the inner circles of the White House with needing security clearance... He needs to follow the same rules as everyone else. And, and people that have access to the presidential daily briefing and, and need to get that high-level security clearance, I feel like everyone in that realm should have the same, um, pass the same uh, loophole, pass the same threshold and have that clearance. And I think John Kelly is right to, to and, put, put down the hammer. And Nathan, to Errol's point, though, doesn't this underscore the fact that there 
could be something, there is something potentially that Bob Mueller is looking into his his background, into Kushner's background, that raises some red flags? Well, I think, I mean, Mueller has been very, uh, he's kept a, everything close to the vest, right? I mean, kind of, he's been methodical in revealing uh, everything when he wants it to be revealed. I think, you know, Democrats want to believe the worst. I mean, that it's, uh, you know, everything is, uh, it's all it's all a conspiracy. I think ultimately, ultimately we'll find out. But in general, I think it's just sideways energy for the White House. There's, I mean, we're talking about guns and, and, and gun shooting and tragedies and, and things that are happening overseas. And this is sort of just energy that could be spent, you know, focused on other issues rather than an internal, internal fight. So if you look at his portfolio, Kushner's portfolio, I mean, he's dealing with Middle East peace. He's got uh, Mexico relations. He's got revising NAFTA, uh, business dealings with China. Restructuring the, govern- the government. Did does anybody think it's going to matter necessarily what his clearance is? Well, if, the, the, if, it, if it is demoted, if, if it is not the same, if his portfolio pulls back, in, in the big picture, in the large picture, does it matter? As, as, a rea- as, a, as a sort of a reality check, I think the president can overrule all of this and just say he has security clearance, he can read the daily briefing or whatever else he wants. I think that's probably the most likely outcome. I mean, it, it just raises these questions, though. I mean, at one point, he was looking for financing for his building, 666 Fifth Avenue, from Ambang, which is a big Chinese financial conglomerate. Uh, it raised so many flags that uh, the deal kind of went away. Um, is he going to try that again? Is he going to have the ability to try that again? Is he going to be talking to other people about similar kinds of deals? We just don't know. I mean, this is this is this is this is just arrangement at this point. Jared was a business guy before he went into government, so of course he dealt with banks. He dealt he dealt with them on a right. lot of things. Post government, well, we he, re- he recused himself from all these things that he's been accused of. So it's just a lot of noise. We, 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 we got it. We got to wrap it there. I'm sorry, guys, we're running out of time. We will uh, we'll have you back. Thanks as always for a great discussion. Really appreciate it. Thank you all. And this is day 398 of President Trump's administration, and that is State of America Tonight. Check out our podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.